0: Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. We hope you find this message helpful. And at the same time, it is important to us that you know podcasts should not be a substitute for the flesh and blood people of the church. Church is more than sermons. If you aren't a part of a local church, we would love to help you find one in your area. Please don't hesitate to email us at sermons at com. That's sermons at borocitychurch.com. We would be happy to help. Thank you for listening. Good morning, guys. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jamie. That's right. You're right there. You can just give me a little high five if you want to. Whatever you want. Um. Today we are going to continue our uh, series on relationships. And uh, my name is Dustin Walker. I'm one of the pastors here, and so I'm so glad to get the opportunity to preach today. Um, last year, 2020, the year none of us will forget, I followed uh, the recommendation from a podcast that I listened to to read an article, so we're really getting deep in the, the mediums here, that was written by a guy who was actually a former guest on the podcast. I didn't know he was such a writer, um, and the essay had meant a lot to the podcast host. I came across it, I read it, and it was really good. The title of it is called, What I Want to Know of Kindness. What I Want to Know of Kindness. In it, Devin Kelly writes about how grateful he is about the, the, the friendship that he had developed with a group of three other guys. A friendship that developed in adulthood and has continued well past a decade. When I read it, it was, of course, during... Uh, coming out of that first long period of quarantine and isolation. And it was encouraging to read something that spoke so deeply about how hardship uh, or even through hardship, there could be deep friendship formed. And so it was encouraging to hear his fondness uh, for his friends because during our isolation um, and even to some degree, even now it can be difficult. But Devin writes, uh, very candidly about how these three guys were able to know each other's hearts, their secrets, and share life with each other. A little backstory on him that is helpful to know. Devin had grown up in some difficult circumstances. His father raised him and his brother by himself after um, both divorce and addiction ended up removing their mom from their family. Um, So there was a lot of pain there. On the positive side, Devin's dad never left him. In fact, there are stories in a different essay that he wrote about how their dad took him and his brother to the track every single night when he got off from work. The dad would run, the kids would play in the infield, and then he would have them run together at the end. His dad never wanted them to be alone. But there also was some sort of unspoken pact that Devin says that must have formed at some point where they never spoke about hard things ever in their house. I'm sure it was very difficult for the dad to kind of bring anything up and even know how to talk about those things. The painful thing is to hear Devin talk about how many evenings they spent in front of a television eating fast food in complete silence. Well, in 2009, years later, Devin goes to campus for college, and he quickly meets these guys Julian, Nick, and Ben, and these three guys would go on to become deep friendships or deep friends of his. They entered as college cross-country teammates, and over the time of their their time in college, they would end up logging over 10,000 miles of running together. That is a lot. (laughs) But through the common act of running, And just the sheer perseverance of going through suffering together, they would learn how to bring their walls down. It showed both their strengths and their weaknesses to each other. It revealed so much about what they liked in each other and what irritated them. They learned how to laugh. They learned how to encourage each other. They learned that Devin likes to write poetry, (laughs) which was kind of scary, I think, for him to let anybody know. And they had plenty of time seeing each other at the physical and, of course, the emotional ends of themselves. Well, I've thought a lot about Devin's essay this past week as I've reflected on friendship, um, not only for this sermon, but also for my own life. And I was telling the worship team earlier, this is actually in recent memory. I wrote this sermon really quickly. <laughs> I hope that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Um, that's right. (laughs) Careful. But as easy as this sermon was to write, it's, it's much more difficult to preach because I know I need to hear it far. Be it for me to say that I'm like the model friend far from it. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I need to hear the words that I'm going to say today. And I've been thinking about all week, but guys, look, we're in a contentious isolation filled world. And we feel more apart from each other than we ever have. Outrage seems to be overtaking kindness as the reflex to anything that happens, whether it's something inflammatory on the news or whether you are offended by the person in line at some store. And whether it's by quarantine or because of quarantine or because of our own well-built echo chambers that we have on social media, it's no coincidence, I don't think, that so many of us don't even really know what real friendship is anymore. And so today, I want to share something of what God has to say about friendship. I'll start and finish with Jesus' words in John 15, so if you have a Bible, you can go there. I'm going to start in verse 9, and we're going to take a long uh, kind of... Pretty immersive look at what friendship says, but I want to frame it with what Jesus had to say about friendship. John 15, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. That's God's word for us this morning. And this morning, I want us to know I hope that God shows us the power of this kind of gracious, transformative friendship, one that we can actually have with God and with other people. But first, I think we need to know what it is that friendship is at all. Well, first of all, God is the designer of friendship, and God's design for friendship involves three things. It involves proximity, it involves loyalty, and affection. As we heard last week, Trevor talked about how God is a relationship. God is a trinity. He's a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He is a relationship. And by virtue of that, there exists friendship as a part of that relationship as well. That is who God is at the core of who He is. So friendship with God is something that He gives to us because we are made in His image. And then friendship becomes the medium through which God can share his love and his joy with us, like Jesus said in John 15. But it also becomes a process that molds us and transforms us to reveal more of God's character in us, to become more humble, kind, gentle, gracious, loving, forgiving, forgiving, and steadfast. So I want to dive in a little bit more in each one of these uh, aspects of friendship and there's going to be some points on the screen some references you might want to jot those down um, and they'll probably move quicker than you can write everything down but uh, we'll be on the first point for a little bit so don't freak out Um, but the slides are going to have a lot of information on them all right let's talk about proximity friendship happens in proximity what do I mean by that closeness presence like physical presence We learn this first about God. God is everywhere all the time. Think about that. He's here now. He's also on the other side of the world. He's also everywhere in the universe all at the same time. We call that omnipresence. God is everywhere all the time. He has no problem being proximate to any of us. He is close now. And because of that, he wants to reveal himself to people, to us, just simply because he wants to be known by us, because he knows he's good. And he allows himself to come into proximity with people. The Bible we have story after story of people that he attaches himself to and becomes close with. Let me go through several. First of all, in John or not John, Genesis 3, right after the fall, right after sin happens, God takes a walk, and he looks for Adam and Eve. He doesn't run after them. He doesn't smite them. He simply wants to draw close to them. Where are you? Just a couple chapters later, in a genealogy, kind of as a a throwaway statement that you would kind of miss, Enoch. Enoch, we learn, walked with God. And God loved him so much that it seems like he didn't allow Enoch to die. He just took him away. Genesis 5, 24. God walked with Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Abraham, who in James two twenty three is said to have been God's friend, a friend of God. You think about his story. God comes to Abraham several times and makes his presence known in many different ways throughout the course of his life. Abraham was a friend of God. God spoke with Moses face-to-face, Exodus 33, 11. There was closeness there. And of course, Jesus' example. God coming to earth, incarnating to be one of us, fully God, fully man. And out of everyone, he called 12 to be close to him. And out of those 12, he had three that he really called close. And then out of those three, there was one that Jesus really loved. Guys... Friendship exists in proximity. Second thing, friendship happens through loyalty. God's a covenant-keeping, promise-making God. And loyalty assumes that you are making a commitment that is going to be tested. Because loyalty means that you stick with the commitment, right? So there's an opportunity to bail. That is not who God is. God is a good friend in that when he makes a promise, he keeps it. And therefore, we should do the same thing. As a sign of true friendship, we should stick by friends when they fail, even when they betray us, even when it inconveniences us to love them. And there are several examples of this in Scripture from person to person. Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 18. Jonathan's dad wanted to kill David. (laughs) Uh, that's a major inconvenience for David. And yet, Jonathan loved David as himself. Incredible. Ruth and Naomi. These two women had a bond that seemed to have been unbroken. Ruth's husband had died. Naomi was her mother-in-law. And she was released from that relationship anymore because her husband had passed. And yet, She says, wherever you go, I'll go. If you die, I will follow you to your death. That's some friendship loyalty right there. Hosea and Gomer. In marriage, marriage is probably the highest form of uh, human friendship. And God wanted Hosea to enter into marriage with someone who he knew was going to be unfaithful. Because that was representative of how Israel had been unfaithful to God. Man, what a picture of loyalty and friendship that is. Imagine if our marriages look like that. Man, the disciples, of course, and Jesus. I put John 6, 68 there because that's right after Jesus had said, if you're my disciple, you'll eat my flesh and drink my blood. And a lot of people turn tail and run. Like, I'm out. That's weird. Not a cannibal. (laughs) And the, he looks at the disciples like, y'all want to go too? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. There was loyalty there. And guys, even when friends and people fail in keeping their promises, because we've all experienced that, we can know that God is the friend that we ultimately have and want and need. He's never disloyal. He's strong enough to hold and to heal us and our broken relationships, even when there's trust and disloyalty in them. Third aspect, affection. Friendship involves affection. God's desire is for you and me to be deeply known by him, and therefore to be known deeply by each other. He wants us to be overwhelmed by the breadth and depth of his love. And it's out of that kind of affection that true friendship can blossom. Again, think of Jonathan and David. Think of Paul and the Philippian church, where he says that my affection bubbles up when I think of you because of what Christ has done for us. There was a bond horizontally that was deep because there was a bond that was deep vertically. And again, Jesus and the disciples, what I read before, he said, I've shared the father's love with you. I've given you my love, my joy, so that your joy and love, it would overflow. So here's the thing, all those things, believe it or not, can be true about friendship, whether or not you acknowledge God. Let's just be honest here. Can you have a deep friendship with someone where, you know, with an atheist or both of you are atheists? Absolutely you can. Here's why. Because God's common grace, the grace he gives everyone is so good. And the image of God so deep within us that he still allows us to enjoy that goodness Even if we disregard who he is. But how much better is it when we get to enjoy that understanding what he has done for us? That is where true, deep, lasting friendship comes from. So please know God is good. He wants us to be known by him, He wants us to be called into relationship with others in deep friendship. As I've thought about those three things, those three aspects. Proximity, loyalty, and affection. Think of a stool that's got three legs. All right? Each one of those legs is each one of those three things. If you take one of those out, it falls over. It's broken. It's not a stool. It's just some wood that's kind of put together. Right? If one's shorter than the other... It's kind of off. It's kind of frustrating. So here's what I want us to do. Rather than thinking about friends of yours and how they treat you, think about yourself. And I want you to help evaluate yourself. Ask the Lord to help you evaluate yourself. How do I do in kind of exhibiting friendship in all three of these ways? And I've got some ways that I want us to think through it because... At some point, we're all going to be deficient in one or more of those three things. But I want to kind of show you the extreme of all of them when one is not present. You got that? So we're evaluating ourselves. Don't send a text to someone later and be like, this is why you're not my friend. <laughs> this is why you're a bad friend. Um, we're evaluating ourselves. Because we can, we can have some of the things, you know, like if it's a baseball series, you know, two out of three ain't bad. But like a two out of three... Uh, in a stool is not good at all. (laughs) Um, We can form a counterfeit friendship. One that's kind of close to the real thing, but it's insufficient. So evaluate yourself. And there, again, there'll be some stuff on the screen. Think about this. What if you have proximity and affection without loyalty? What does that become? Probably other things, but I've said it could be just escape. You're close You have some degree of warmth towards someone, but you're not committed to them. That turns into escape. Here's what I mean by that. We want the activities together, but without the drama. Don't be stealing my joy. We want fun without reality and challenge involved. We want to go to movies and concerts. We want to have dinner parties. We want to have game nights. We want somebody to work out with. We want someone to go shopping with. We want someone to just go on walks with us, but we don't want to be pressed and growing in our own character, and we don't want to press them. We just want something else to do and someone to do it with. Now, if that's you in any of your relationships, you probably notice that those relationships feel pretty shallow because there's not a deeper commitment attached to those. Maybe that's something that you need to be aware of and you need to respond on. Second thing, what if you have proximity and loyalty, but without affection? Well, that becomes utilitarian. Your friends are your Uber drivers. When you need them, you open up your phone, tap, 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 they show up, they drop you off, tap, 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 we're done. There's no affection, I I mean... I don't know that I've ever had the same Uber driver ever, like twice in a row. Maybe it's happened to you. (laughs) And yes, I try to talk to people when I do that, but uh, I've not developed a close friendship with an Uber driver yet. You know what I'm saying? When we have proximity and loyalty without affection, we can treat our friends as a means to an end. We just need somebody to do something for us. And let's be honest, there, there's scripture that says we should do things for one another. But without affection, that becomes very cold and impersonal. You know, I just want somebody to babysit my kids or watch my dog while I'm out of town, to bring me meals if I'm sick. But if there's no affection, man, that's burdensome. And there might be some reciprocity. Well, I did this for you, so now you owe me. But is that really friendship? Is that loyalty? I, Is that really affection? I don't know that it is. Third thing, what if you have loyalty and affection without proximity? Guys, that's just fantasy. This is where we idolize someone that we barely know or barely know anymore. I'm not saying you can't continue friendships with people that, you know, you've known years ago that don't live in the same city or even the same state. What I'm saying is is that we can build up those relationships that are far off while actually forgetting the ones that are right there in front of us. I'm grateful for what this person reminded me on Facebook about what's going on in their life, but am I grateful for the people I'm sitting next to at community group? Am I grateful for the people that are sitting in this room? What happens is, is we end up feeling like we're on the outside looking in, but it's actually just because we're on the inside always looking out. You need to look around. Look at who's here. Look at who's proximate. Who is close to you. Now, imagine if God began to grow you and me in each of these. That he restored some of those things that are off in that three-legged stool. Can you imagine how much deeper and closer your friendships would be? Can you imagine how beautiful that would be? Well, if that's the case, then friendship becomes an opportunity. But here's the thing. Our friendships are opportunities for both deep hurt and deep healing. In his essay, Devin Kelly wrote that uh, one time when he was on a run with the three guys, they were doing an out and back, so a long, just straight away, turn around, come back. On the way back, as was sometimes the case, somebody would decide to push the pace. You know, somebody wanted to turn a training run into a race. And so as they're getting closer to getting back, Devin said he pulled ahead. He starts surging. And because of that, everybody else starts trying to keep up because they're trying to keep up together. Eventually, he kept pushing and pushing so hard, somebody grabbed the back of his shirt and yanked him back into the group. They're like, no, 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 no. We ain't racing today. It happened to be Julian. And Julian was just ticked that he was trying to just kill them all on this run. <laughs> he was like, no, we're not having that. Devin said he wrote that he got extremely mad, extremely angry. Words were said, and eventually they got over it. But in the moment, tempers flared. And that's what happens sometimes in friendship. We know that we can push other people's buttons, and they can push ours. Now, friendship involves intimacy and trust, because if we let people in close enough, they're going to see some things that they don't like about us. And if we do that with them, it's going to be the same for them. On a deeper level, that's probably some of the issue that we have with God, is that we know that he wants to be known and intimately wants to know us and wants us to deeply trust him, but we have problems with that. We don't believe really deep down inside. You may say it in your mind or with your lips, but you don't really believe that you can be deeply known and deeply loved at the same time. But God does. He does deeply know you and he does deeply want you to know his love. Friends should be people who are safe. They should be people that... We want them to be people that we can share who we really are and be vulnerable with. They know our secrets, they know our sin, and it doesn't shake our friendship. Them jerking me by the collar does not ruin or end our friendship. In fact, it may only strengthen it. Proverbs 27:17 you've probably heard this verse before: "Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." God's friendships that are close, loyal, and affectionate, it leads to sparks. There's some heat brought into the process of friendship. And that is okay. Because that is God using that process to transform us and our character together to be closer to being like him. They don't have to break friendships. It makes them more beautiful and more strong. To be clear, the challenge of a friend who is doing so in love and in truth and grace, that is not betrayal. That is someone loving you deeply. Loving you as Christ would love you. A skillful friend is someone who knows how to wound you without hurting you. Another place in Proverbs talks about the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. You know, there's a difference in a surgeon who uses a knife And a thug on the street who wants to rob you and uses a knife. A surgeon uses a knife to cut you, to heal you. A thug just wants to take something from you. They have nothing to give. There's a difference. But none of us are immune to sin. None of us are immune to letting others down. And likewise, others to us. And we all know that probably if you have deep wounds from relationships, those have come from the people that you have loved and been closest to, family and friends. But guys, listen. The Bible doesn't overlook that. In fact, if you look at the story of David, though he was very close with Jonathan, he went through a lot of mess with his family and his friends. Just one one instance I can point to in Psalms. Psalm 41, it seems to be a reference to the issues that were going on with his son Absalom and also one of his close associates and friends, Ahithophel. They had betrayed him, they were trying to kill him. Everybody was trying to kill David. (laughs) Man, I'm glad I wasn't David. (laughs) He was literally on the run from his own son, he was in agony. They were trying to take him out. And in Psalm 41, 9, he laments, Even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. David knew something of hurt. And yes, there's a danger when you open yourself up to someone. When you let someone in, there is the danger that you can be betrayed. You can be hurt. Friendship involves risk. And being vulnerable. And when you share your sin and your secrets, and just knowing that those could be used against you at some point in time, you are taking a risk. But is there a better way? Think about that. Are you just not going to be a friend to anyone? You're going to cut yourself off, close yourself off from everyone? I would hope not. To enter into friendship is to show weakness and need. And to let the walls down. And even if, even if, or maybe even when, your weaknesses, your sin is used against you and you are betrayed, God still has not. Because he still deeply knows you and he still deeply loves you. So again, I want us to reflect on our own lives as friends. Who are your friends? You know, as The 80s band Houdini said, friends, how many of us have them? (laughs) (laughs) One study says that some people only have three close friends, up to three close friends, like close, close friends, like friends for life kind of deal. Do you have one? If you do, maybe you should write their name down. Maybe that should be a part of a gratitude journal you send to someone. Just a text, a phone call this week. Thanks for being a good friend. And here's the thing. All of us are probably deficient in some ways in in friendship. This last year has been rough. Not everybody can be your close friend. Your schedule, your calendar, just the reality of life. um, You can't just hang out with people all the time. But that doesn't mean that you can't let your guard down around people and be known And find ways to be loyal and affectionate with people that you're close to. I would challenge you to do that. And here's the thing. I don't want you to despair if you can't think of one person, even, who is your friend. I don't want you to freak out. I want you to take a step. Think about people that you are close around right now. People that maybe you would like to enter into friendship with. Take a step. Don't wait for them to make the first move. You take the first move. You've already got one of the things there in friendship. They're close. Now find a way to be loyal. How can you do that? Think of a way to serve them somehow. Think of a way to do something together that maybe you both enjoy. And continue and persevere in that. Learn about their needs. Talk about them. Don't talk about your need for a friend. (laughs) Talk about their needs and try to help meet them. Try to love them in the ways that they need to be loved. And just watch what happens if you commit yourself to that. You need something, but if you will give it away, you'll probably get it a whole lot faster than just demanding it by showing up to community group and expecting everybody to be your best friend on the first time. It's probably not going to happen. Loyalty happens over time. It doesn't happen in an instance. That only happens like when you're in first grade and you go to the playground and you're like, you want to be my friend? Yes. Okay, let's go. Why? Because kids can be instantly loyal. I'll love you to the death. Now let's go play on the playground. Woo! Adults, it doesn't happen that way anymore. Can you imagine if you walked into your office and you were like, you want to be my friend? And they were like, Yes! Okay. That would be incredible. But if you don't, if you don't have any friends, if you don't think you have any close friends, then take a step. Take a step to create one. Don't let unreal expectations or uh, things that kind of get in the way, wonkiness and trying to match up schedules, don't try to let that discourage you, but persist. In conversation this past week um, in the office, Whitney made a, a really helpful comment about friendship. You know, like a lot of times we want to give rebuke and give challenge to other people, but we don't want, and we want to receive love. So we want to give challenge, we want to receive love. Imagine if we entered relationships and friendships where we switched those around, where our first step is to give love, and we're willing to receive challenge. Think of how much closer you would be. Now let me speak to those of you that probably can think of a person or two or three that are your close friends. You may not have room, margin in your life to have more close, close friends, but you probably do have some margin to overflow those kinds of relationships to other people. You don't have to close yourself off and say, I've got my three. You can't be part of that. Nope. <laughs> you can still invite people to be in, uh, in association with you. Maybe you're not the deepest of friends. But we've got to allow our good friendships, our healthy friendships to overflow to people. That's why we need to start more community groups. Because the good things that we have in so many of our community groups needs to be overflowed to other people that don't have that in our church. So somebody's got to stand up and say, I've had good friends. I've had good friendships. And some of those happen because of our group. Now it's time for me to open myself up and to give love to other people and invite them in. So guys, we've got some work that we can do. It's good, but it's hard. And you're probably wondering, where are we going to get the kind of perseverance it takes to do this? Fortunately, Jesus provides us with a friendship that we're not only immersed in, but we can also imitate. One last thing about Devin Kelly's essay, What I Want to Know of Kindness. He talks about the day he got a call from Julian. You know, the guy that jerked him back in line on the run? Well, he was calling because his mother was about to die. His mother's name was Nancy, and she had had a few bouts with cancer. It had gone into remission a couple of times, but this time there was no coming back, and the end was close. And Julian wanted his three friends to know, and he wanted them there. So uh, Devin got that phone call, and so did Ben and Nick. And as a reflex, they instantly, they didn't even contact each other. They all just went to Julian's parents' house. They got on trains. They got on planes. They drove. They all descended on his parents' house so they could be with Julian and they could say their goodbyes to Nancy. The thing is, is that Nancy had been one of the things that had drawn the four of them really close together. And it was only after she passed that Devin started to realize just what she had done for him and all four of them. You see, Julian's parents, because they kind of live close to the college or not too far away, they invited him over for dinner all the time. They would share meals. And as a college student, man, you might as well just put bars of gold out because like a free home-cooked meal is like awesome. They would invite them in. And for hours, just there's no agenda. There's no fixing problems. There's just serving food and serving up what Devin would call just the most easy conversation that he's ever known. Nancy would look at him and ask what was going on. And she seemed so curious. She loved hearing about every detail in Devin's life. He felt like he was the most important person in the world. And this lady became, in a lot of ways, the mother that he never had. And so it was by no surprise that when they got the phone call that she was about to pass, that they went and they were with her and with Julian. It showed him much about how she had been kind of an outside force, drawing the four of them closer and closer together, while they were also getting closer and closer to her. He talks about the kindness that he experienced through all of those meals and the hospitality. He said, to be waited on, even when you know you don't deserve it, or at the very least, assume you don't, this is a kind of grace. And so, we were waited on. He experienced a kind of grace from Nancy that overflowed. From her, And it overflowed into his friends. Because he simply accepted invitations to sit around a table, he got closer to a group of people than he ever thought was possible. And it ended up filling the void in his own soul. The void created from brokenness and an absent mother. Her gentle way slowly transformed him. And what these four men viewed in their friendship with one another. Guys, Jesus has done the same thing for us. He has opened the door of his forever home, and he has invited us to sit down at the table. He has shared his love from the Father. And hopefully, he's filled all the voids that we have. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain. In my love, Jesus is the friend who knows us to our core, every secret, every sin, and yet He invites us in to be with Him, to just sit down with Him. And despite any risks for us or for Himself, He invites us to enjoy Him. You know, Psalm 41 that I referenced earlier is also. A prophetic word about Judas. And when Jesus spoke these words in John 15, Judas was also sitting at the table. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. And Jesus takes the risk. But no greater love and joy and friendship could they know together with Christ than him opening up himself and making himself vulnerable. And saying, share in my love and my joy. Jesus took the risk. Jesus became close. He's now present always. He is the one who is loyal. Loyal all the way to the cross and through the other side from the grave. He is the one with deep affection. He wants to share his love and joy with you. And he only wounds to heal and never to hurt. Most of us would settle for friends who would become our servants. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to make my servants into my friends. John fifteen fifteen, Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've known. I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. He shared his secrets with his disciples and made them his friends. City Church, how will we respond to that kind of love today. Will you enter into the abiding friendship that Jesus offers? Will you continue in it? Will you let your walls down, knowing the full weight of Christ's loyalty and his authority? Will you remember the deep love and joy that he has? Will you allow that to overflow into the relationships to form deep friendships with others? Friends, this is the love that I want to be immersed in in friendship. And that is the kind of kindness that I want to know. What about you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who shares your very nature with us. And yes, Lord, you are creator. You, are, Jesus, you are the king of kings and Lord of lords. And yet you want to be known as our friend. Father, I pray that each of us will know you deeply as a friend. I pray that you would transform our relationship with you to mimic that, to be an imitation of that. And also... To immerse us into your love and joy so that it overflows to the friends around us. Father, only you can do that. Would you do it today and from this point forward? It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, right now we are going to take the Lord's Supper. Um, So if you didn't have a chance or you missed the the elements, you can... uh, get up and go grab these. But just a reminder, at the same time that Jesus was saying these words, they celebrated the Lord's Supper together. Around a table, a group of friends, even all of them going to be enemies of Jesus for a short time right after. And yet he said, these things represent my body and my blood. So as we partake this morning, Remember that Christ took the bread, he broke it, gave thanks. He said, this is my body, take and eat. And with the cup, he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Friends around a table, ones I want to share my love and joy with, drink, and we'll drink it again in the kingdom.